Hello there, and welcome to The Player's Voice, a podcast brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. My name is Alan O'Mara, a former Cavan goalkeeper now working as a performance and wellbeing consultant. During this series, I'm going to take you inside the minds of some of Ireland's most inspiring inter-county GA players as we talk about life both on and off the field. I am delighted to be joined by Kay Keeney, who was called up to the Donegal Seniors at 15 years of age after experiencing all Ireland minor success and then became a key leader in the squad that dominated Ulster in recent times. In 2022, a new adventure across the Atlantic awaits, where Kay will be working as a sports scientist with the USA's international soccer teams. We discuss her excitement for this incredible opportunity and how much she has already enjoyed supporting elite teams around the world. She also shares how concussion significantly impacted her day-to-day life and how participating in the GPA's Madden Leadership Program had a transformational impact on her as a person. This podcast is brought to you as part of Bio360, a GPA program that empowers inter-county players across four key areas, life skills, well-being, dual career and transitions. Please go to www.bio360.gaelicplayers.com to learn more. But for now, please sit back, relax and enjoy the player's voice with Kate Keeney. What's it been like wearing the Donegal jersey over over all those years? And was it always an ambition of yours? I would have started probably go back to my club, um, four masters here in Donegal Town, and probably a typical enough story. Just tagged along with my older brother. There's eighteen months in the difference. I'd say I was four or five, and just went to training and. Probably my biggest, earliest memory would that be winning the Parish League. Um, as captain, I was I was so small they had to put me on a table to present the cup, but um, got bragging rights over my brother and my mum was manager of his team. So, um, yeah, I guess like if I look back, um, of course you want to play with Donegal. I was lucky enough. I suppose the next big thing that really hit home that I was just like, I want to play with Donegal was, I got, I was lucky enough to play at half time in the Junior All-Ireland, I think it was 2001. And uh, Donna and I remember great stalwart of the club here and someone I've looked up to hugely um, since I was young. Um, I remember sitting before school and the phone rang and I answered it and it was her and I was a bit in shock. And then mum she wanted to speak to mum and um, I remember her ringing and asking to see if I could pl- if I wanted to play at half time in Croke Park and I remember just I remember the day still of the jersey I think it just about fits me now but that was probably my first indication to be like geez like I this is what I want to do like I want to play I was just always football mad and then I remember when I was 11 I wanted to go to under 14 county trials maybe I was 10 I remember crying to my mum, like, why she wouldn't let me go. But I was too young at the stage, to be honest. And then the following year, I was let go. So I must have been maybe 11 or 12. And then I'd say this is probably the first year that I haven't played or will play with Donegal since I'd say I was 11. Um, which I suppose you never really look back and reflect it. But it's um, I've had 
unbelievable. It's all my memories growing up was with Donegal and going on a bus on Saturday morning and just the crack and see some of the girls um, that I played with since I was 11, 12. Like they're some of my best friends and I was very fortunate that we had huge success underage with Donegal and yeah, as we said, like the crack and the stories, we still talk about it. Uh, the I think we'll hold on to that minor All Ireland in two thousand and nine. Uh, that'll be just it was just unbelievable to probably finally get across the line and win. But yeah, like so many good memories. And then I suppose from a senior point of view, I was lucky enough. The first year I came in, I was only fifteen. And we were coming off the back of winning the minor All-Ireland and uh, we had lost the under-16 one. There was a few of us that used to play in Ulster under-16 and then we'd go out and play the minor straight after the game. There was there was maybe four or five of us and um, I remember Michal Nocton was the manager who's the LGFA president now. He was at Donegal and he asked me, and a few like Neve McLaughlin and Geraldine McLaughlin um, to come into the squad for the intermediate. And you just talk about like dreamland a bit, like you're playing with like Maria Devaney, Diane Toner, um, probably forgetting ones now, um, Yvonne McMonagall, Karen Guthrie, all them ones. Like, and yeah, we won, we won everything that year. We won Division Two, we won Ulster Intermediate, and we won the All Ireland. And it was just got to play in Croke Park. It came on maybe the last five minutes. I think I just turned sixteen, and I was in dreamland. I was just like Jesus. But um, I guess then <laughs> the next couple of years we got into senior, and I don't think we were as successful. Um, there was a bit of a ma- mass exodus, and um, but then definitely within the last the last five or six years, um we've we've had we've been very successful I guess at Ulster. Um probably ne- haven't fulfilled our p- potential even at an all Ireland level. Um but yeah, when you look back, I suppose you have to be very grateful of the career. Um I'm not finished by the way. I'm just taking a wee break, maybe. So <laughs> And then I suppose if you had it told a 16-year-old you at that point, the kind of ups and downs that were going to come your way, and we'll touch upon some of the kind of the, the challenges that you've gone through in a moment, but I suppose staying with the kind of highlights to be part of then a team who, and part of a group that went from to win three Ulster senior titles in a row, which I'm sure raised the profile of, of football in the county in Donegal and put the name kind of wider around the country as a force at that level. Um, what was that? What was that part of your career like in terms of you're older at that point and you're much more, I'm sure you're more of a leader in the group and have had more experience. So what what was that time like? If I had to take any advice from my 16-year-old self is to just be absolute fearless. Um, I think the more you get older, you probably, you put an awful lot of pressure on yourself. Um, and I guess I've had my fair share of injuries and, you know, I'm not going to lie, I did put huge pressure on myself to get back like I wanted to be playing. Um, do you know, that fearlessness and just go out and absolutely enjoy it and just make the most of it because that's when you're, you'll play your best. Um, probably the Ulster title that meant the most to me was the first one. I had been out with concussion and I actually, I remember 
coming back and working. I worked my arse off to get back into the team and played the whole game and was really proud of myself. Like I was, because I'd been out for so long and such a hard team to get into. And yeah, like I remember just that final whistle and just finally, finally getting across the line because we spoke there about we had, we were very successful at underage, but like we had many dark days with Donegal as in like, I remember like we got hammered by the likes of Monaghan. Um, I remember we went down, got absolutely annihilated by Cork one year. It was on TV. It was embarrassing. Like, um, I think one of the big things with Donegal is like no one, it's a better now, obviously with LYIT and like the funding that's gone in there and the opportunities they offer, um, do you know, people in the area, but like back when I was going to college, like, do you know, you're going to Dublin or you're going to um, Galway or I went to Limerick and we were basically just meeting on a Saturday and training and going out and playing a league game on a Sunday because our whole team was in college. And then I suppose the year was a 2018, like we got beat by Cork in the semi-final. That was another very proud moment I suppose I came back from my ACL and hadn't played uh much football and I came back and I played in that game um played the majority of the game again was proud of myself but ultimately we didn't get across the line and that that's probably if there was one year where like we were so close it was that year um 2018 um we were we got beat by Cork. I actually don't know what was in it. Um, but like, I think that was probably, yeah, that, I think that was probably our, our best chance of, of going on, um, to win in all Ireland. Talk to me a little bit about the concussion then, Kay, kind of how did that happen? And what was the kind of immediate impact of that in the, in the hours and, and kind of days afterwards? So like, I remember, uh, I remember we played Dublin a friendly above in Belfast in Queens and it was literally like the last uh, maybe five minutes or three minutes of the game and I just went up to catch a ball and someone just went to break it and sort of caught me behind the ear the back of the head and I like I what and I just like I fell then on the side of my head but like I, w- I don't even think I was knocked out like um and if I was, it was very briefly felt, but I ended up getting sick like afterwards um, when I got back to Donegal or whatever. But like, it just wasn't heard about. Like you just, like it just wasn't heard about. And um, then anyway, I went back to UL uh, in Limerick and I was remember sitting in the library. It might've been a day or two later. And I just remember like, the whole side of my face sort of went like numb and my eye and like I was just like just felt completely out of it and I was like I didn't know what was happening and went to the I was I was in the library I was lucky enough I don't know there must have been exams coming up if I was in the <laughs> library uh, I was lucky enough the doctor like I don't know I must have went to the doctor and they said I had to go to the hospital sure was sitting in the hospital for about 24 hours and they gave me a few Panadol. They took a CT scan or something, but like nothing was done or came of it. And then like, not even like, 
I don't know, it, like there was just, it was just like, oh, here's a few pound, all away you go sort of thing. Um, then I just remember went maybe back into lectures, just so tired, like no energy, like just wasn't myself. And I remember like I went back into a lecture and I remember like he was talking, I was trying to write the screen and I like I just couldn't function and I remember just getting up and leaving and then again just sort of took it easy and I remember then like just see being around like a lot of people in a house and like people loads of people talking so then it just really aggravated me I then went back to my brother Luke was in with the men's team um and I went to see Kevin Moore and Dr. Kevin Moore was the doctor for years with Donegal men and went to see him in Letterkenny and he did a few tests on me and he sat me down and he was just like uh I was just like well how am I sort of thing he said well you may as well have put it this way your balance is like you've had about 10 pints of Guinness and I was like right Jesus I was like, I just, I didn't really know. He said that I have to do complete cold turkey from everything, no screen, no laptop, the usual. Um, and then he said, come back to me in a week or 10 days and we'll see how you are then. And then he, in fairness, went back to him and I had improved, but he said like, you're going to have to be really gradual with this. So then he was just like, you know, introductory, like maybe one hour on the phone, do you know, like the the usual. And then like I tried to go back to UL and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit in a lecture and like, I just couldn't. And I like, I, I couldn't even explain it. So I ended up having to drop out of college. I took the decision um, in fairness he was brilliant and I just couldn't it was my final year in UL so I, cu- I couldn't um, I obviously wanted to do a good grade and everything but like it was just affecting everything my mood everything I was so frustrated in myself I'd never heard of like anyone having this I was just like how is this happening like I just it was just confusion and I guess like you were just very much left to your own accord and I moved back here to Donegal, had no income, no job, nothing. Uh, didn't really know what I was doing, but like literally just the days kept passing by. Like, and I just wasn't really getting any better. Like just the amount of energy would take you. It's really weird because I've probably, you're probably one of the first people I've actually said a lot of this to. So um, yeah, like I just thought it was just really dif- difficult because looking back now, I suppose, like, it was just the unknown. Like, you didn't have a visible injury. And, like, the way it is, is, like, in the best way possible, in the nicest way possible. Like, when you're in a team and you don't have a physical injury, like, or a time frame, it's like, you know, you've nothing to look towards. Like, and people... I went to a few trainings here and there, but I found it too difficult, if I'm honest. And I was very lucky with the manager I had and Davey McLaughlin. And I have a great relationship with him that like he's so understanding. He's literally like a father figure to me. Um, So I was very lucky with that. And the same with UL, Fiona McHale and DJ Collins. Like I was heartbroken. Like 
obviously UL came first because the competition came first, but we were going, we'd won the O'Connor Cup the year before and similar, it would probably be one of my fondest like memories. And then this, the second year we were going for two in a row and like it was meant to be my final year and like lived with a load of the girls on the team. Um, and I couldn't play that, like, obviously, but I was lucky, like, all, like, Fiona McHale and DJ asked me to sort of come in as part of the backroom team or just to keep me involved. Do you know when that meant so much? Uh, they used to ring me, like, at least once a week, just checking in how I am. Um, like, so I have to say, like, they were unbelievable. But, yeah, it was it was a really, really difficult time, Um Finally started making a bit, bit of progress. I went to Santry to see Anna Falvey, the he's the Irish rugby doctor at the time, and just started from scratch. Like I uh, was doing sort of like eye track and exercises. Um, like my exercise rehab was like fifteen minute walk, twenty minute walk. Have Jenny like you know pre and post symptoms? How are you feeling? And at least with that, at the start, you were saying, oh, Jesus, am I ever going to get back? Like, my rehab is walking here. So, um, but in fairness, it did progress. And then I did find find that once I got back in it, back in and around the girls, like that structure, when you see, I suppose the end is coming in sight. And then I have to say, I didn't have really any fear going back in at the start. Do you know, like I was just like ready to get back in. And then you would get, an odd bang here and there like there's been do you know since like in the but you would you would sort of you'd be a bit weary because I think you obviously remember back what it was like do you know but I've been touch with I've been lucky enough I've had a few bangs since but uh nothing really I had one this year that scared me a wee bit but um like touch wood like I was out for like 10 days and I think obviously you're aware of the protocols and like the return to phase and just listen to your body and you're older now so you're just like no like this is what I'm doing and you know because it was it was during club so I was just like to the manager like no I've had too much I've had history with this so this is what I'm doing this day and this is what I'm doing this day I was like I'll be I'll be ready when I'm ready so I suppose in that's the long, the long gist of it. But yeah, it was, it was very tough. Like hugely lonely, um, hugely lonely. Like I suppose, like just there going on to the like the GPA and like the services they offer. Like I probably didn't really know they existed and stuff. But like, if if it happened to me later, like I would hugely reach out to them because it's. Like no one should have to go through that there alone or without help, or it's just it's just yeah, it's hugely lonely, you know. Um, and then actually, one of the girls in the Donegal team, something similar happened. Was it three or four years ago? When like she was the same as me, like she literally she did like <clears throat> quit her job or take leave, and I suppose like I was. I was able to help her a wee bit to be like, you know what, like this is like I was the same, whereas like when I happened, like, I didn't hear of anyone that it was the same whereas now, like, you know, when she came back flying as well. But it, I think it's because it's not a physical injury. It'd nearly be easier if it was, if that makes sense. No, totally. And that's what, what I was just going to ask you about, like, when you go back to the kind of, the earlier phase of experience and that, like, um, like, you get something that, like, it, what sounds like it was a pretty innocuous knock to the head and you fall to the ground. But then, like, within days and kind of for weeks afterwards, you're 
from what you described, like your cognitive capacity is down, you're experiencing like extreme fatigue, can't socialize or like be around like noisy environments because it's just going to like trigger you. Or you said your exercise threshold has come right down. So there's loads of stuff going on there that, and say we've talked about fearlessness once or twice, but at that earlier phase, did it did it scare you in any way? The thing I hated about it was like you were literally, I know this might sound weird, but you were just existing. Like I knew I was like a shell of myself. Like, and that was like, I hated not like, not not being able to have the crack but I hated not being able to be me um like I remember going up and uh to Dublin it was first round of O'Connor Cup and it was DCU UL and it was just like they were our arch rivals like some unbelievable games and I remember like I, I was shouting a bit in the pitch and like just animated like do you know on the sideline sorry but like five minutes, I had to sit down and I was just like, this is, I can't, do you know, um, was I scared? I probably, like there was probably this time that I was just like, I just want to be back to normal. Like I wasn't probably looking back to play sport. Like I obviously was in the long term and like, but at, for a certain, like for so long, I just wanted to be back to normal. Um, that was probably the hardest like I just wanted to be back to Kate like that was probably the hardest part of it um I don't know if I would say like I probably was scared I could say my mother was scared like um because like I'd say they could tell I was more not myself than me you know but like I remember like lying in bed some nights and like my head was lifting like I mean lifting and I remember just crying because I actually couldn't sleep like and at that stage I remember it clearly I was out in my dad's house and I remember that was probably one of the few nights that I lay awake and I was just like what is wrong like what is going on because I actually didn't this was before I went to Santry and stuff but like that was probably I was just like, yeah, that was probably like the the highest point of, yeah, what's going on here. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the concussion. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, and thank you for sharing all that, Kate, because I know like with concussion, it's certainly something that thankfully a lot more research has been done and like team doctors, physios are far more aware of it now. And obviously that has a knock on effect to team managers and to team players, but like the kind of a couple of the things you said yeah. there, like so, like a, a concussion is like like a brain injury. Um, it's obviously that makes that means it's hidden, yeah. as you said, and you alluded to a number of times, um, which makes it really hard to kind of understand or for people to kind of empathize. Makes it harder for people to maybe empathize or or understand what's happening. Um, and I suppose with that, I suppose with the sense of the of the unknown then, and it being a hidden injury, like. Did you find that brings up more swirls of like a guilt or a shame or a frustration because like you can't fully explain or fully grasp a what's happening and then get other people to understand it. And then on top of that, as you said, you're not feeling yourself in terms of your energy, your charm, your humor. And then you can't go and exercise, which is probably one of the things you usually would have done to kind of blow off steam, to relax, to be around people. And you mentioned the word lonely earlier. So I feel like in terms of this conversation, like if anyone's listening from any intercounty players or regular athletes that are have experienced this, that it is, it's it's something that uh, there's a lot more awareness now. But we're still trying to 
do a lot more around understanding and I hope a conversation like this can help. Yeah, um, when you say there, like, first and foremost, like, I, again, can't reiterate, like, how good, like, the likes, because the two teams I was sort of involved with were Donegal and UL and, like, the girls were great. But, like, um, yeah, like, you were spending the most of the days here by yourself. Like, I don't even think we had a dog at the time, so it wasn't even, like, they'd keep you company. But it was just, like, I was very much, like... I meant to be graduating with my class here, like, you know, and like it, it was, it was definitely like, it is, it is lonely. And I do think now there is so much more awareness of it. And, you know, it is, it is so important to, to go by the protocols and everything, because I think the thing was for me back then, it was like you had heard of it, but like I was like the bang wasn't even that hard. Like I don't even know if I was knocked out. Like how like people have had concussions and like I'm not saying like, but I know some people's reaction would have been like, oh jeez, like when is this one going to be back? Like do you know, uh, like she got a like a bang and she's sure I got a do you know and like I'm not saying people directly said that, but like you're your mind just goes into overload. And as you said there, the one thing you love doing to escape things, go out like for a run or to play football or whatever. And especially like looking back there, like I'm not joking you, like my whole life revolved around football, like everything. Like, I mean, like at that stage, like UL, like I wanted like, we had such a good squad and thing down there. Like I, everything was geared to O'Connor Cup. Like everything was geared to O'Connor Cup. Uh, what I was doing after college, didn't know. I'll figure it out after O'Connor Cup. Like everything. And like, it was probably a time that I was like, she's like, what, like, what else, do you know, are you meant to do or what else is there to do? Like I wasn't working, so I had no income, do you know, like I was very lucky like obviously I was at home here but yeah like it was there was obviously guilt but there was also just like a lot of questioning yourself um just wanting to be back included like back included in the team back included in going to training the crack like you know just the buzz like you were you were like even just do you know there that day I said like going to Dublin like it absolutely took it out of me so much like do you know when I was remember I think I must have got the train back to maybe Sligo or something but I remember you swear I had ran two marathons like I'm not joking but then like you saw progress and do you know I remember having like a laser like a headband with a laser attached to my forehead and there was targets on the wall and you were sort of like this is what am I doing here like but you saw progress, you know, when you had neck bands and stuff like that. And with any uh, player, you know, give like at least then when it's the stage when you actually can't really do anything, then you start doing rehab and you're like, right, I'm progressing here. And like, like that kept like a bit of a journal and, you know, I was progressing. And then, you know, I remember like, I remember that there stage. And then I remember like, once I got back running and stuff, I think it happened quite quick. Like, I think I was lucky enough that I returned quite qu quick in that sense. Um, well, when I say quick, like I was out for about six months, so <laughs> it probably wasn't quick in that. But like, I mean, when I was back on the grass and on the pitch, like I sort of felt that 
but I can't really remember. I just, I can't really remember when I came back into the team. Do you know that sort of way? Like, I, like matches wise, I don't know what, like my first match was. I, I can't really remember, but um, yeah, but like then you talk about the other side of it, like when an Ulster first time in the con- county's history, like a packed Clonus Lash and Rain Day, we beat Monaghan, who we obviously had gotten beat by so many times. Like they were the pinnacle in Ulster for so long. You were chasing them. Like it was just, you sort of <laughs> forgot about everything like that there. It was just hugely, it was class. Like, um, yeah. I think what I'll do is at the end of the podcast, I'll put in like a, a call a call to action where people can go to find out more from one of the, from one of the, like the organizations that has like proper information. I know you're obviously just talking about a personal experience of a, of a brain injury. And as I said to you at the beginning, I for sure, like I had two concussions in a year. Um, so I can empathize and relate to a lot of, of what you've talked about there, that sense of your energy gone, not being able to concentrate, that eating in at your self-worth, feeling some guilt. I think one of the biggest steps in the process is like getting like a diagnosis and someone just saying, OK, you are concussed and then kind of here's some protocols now and we're going to go slowly because it makes it easier to kind of respond to. It. But then at the same time, I nearly laughed and you said it there. I remember I was on it for like. I think was put on a treadmill to walk and after 12 minutes I start getting like a headache and a migraine and I was like like I used to play in front of thousands of people and I can't walk for 12 minutes and it really like know, you yeah. nearly, even though you're on the recovery path then you're nearly getting mad at yourself and then that whole cycle starts again you know um yeah but I suppose as I kind of wrap up that part of it what it, I suppose what I was going to ask you was what advice would you give to a player who maybe feels like they they could have been concussed or, or worried about that they were concussed? Kind of what advice would you give to them in terms of taking the next steps and trying to do the right thing with it? Um, well, like, firstly, like, I remember a doctor, and she's a good friend of mine, is uh, you've only one brain, so just look after it, like she just said. Um, and, like, I think... There is so many protocols and you've got the SCAD exam and there is so much awareness out there. Um, and there is like return to play p- protocols, but like it's so important to treat it as like an injury, like because like if where like the information we have now and like there definitely still can be more that can be done, but like just like you do it like be diligent because a lot of the time you're probably yeah you can see like a doctor and this but like you have like you're in charge of like your own body like and I know that's pretty cliche but like you're going to suffer if you don't and just like just be true as into the fact that like listen to your body and how it's responding and it is normal like these like concussion is an injury and like it's important to like do the right steps and protocols and uh, because otherwise I think it's very clear even what you were saying that you've got it like if you don't you're just going to suffer and you're going to suffer in day-to-day life you know the way you're functioning and stuff so I would just say like there's so much information return to play protocols and taking it easy and like do like just listen to your body I would probably say is the big is the big thing um listen to your body get advice and treat it as a proper injury like um but it's also yeah 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 it is and it's like we're in a far better place 
now and there still can be loads to be done and it's that usual like I'm not saying so much now but I think it would be quite difficult for like a club player if they got it um because like some of the like some of the clubs you know obviously I'm, I'm I'm speaking general here but like some of the clubs you don't have a doctor and like it's probably quite stereotypical ah, like GA you know and like I'll be honest Jay got a bang there in a club match and I should have came off like this year and I didn't it sort of played on and I may as well have been sitting above in the stand because I was absolutely useless and I was do you know, I wasn't knocked out or anything, but I got a clatter and I suffered after it, like, um, and I should have came off. Um, and you're annoyed at yourself then after, because you're out then for about two weeks. And listen, I was lucky enough that I did all the return to play protocols. And like I said, like, do you know, have good, have good, like, uh, had a good doctor and stuff. Um, but like, it's, it is hard. Like, it is hard because like, I'm after saying to you preaching and I know myself like I'm I probably should have came off then and there and why didn't you we were playing our arch rivals like in Belfast and probably just I was afraid I was going to let the team down to be honest mm. with you um like and it was after I was really 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 annoyed at myself because I that worry does creep in like I remember I had to, I slept I slept for literally two full days. Um like I was like not that I was I wasn't scared that I would go back to normal or different like before because I had a really like like I knew the doctor was sort of looking after me, like she wasn't at the game or anything, but like she like she was very like diligent and was very like you're so important and like you've had history like this is really important that you do this you know um but again it was probably like I was afraid of letting the team down um that would probably be the honest but I was so annoyed at myself after like so annoyed and I you know I was it took me a while to get over that and then the return to play and like I think like uh I I played with a breed up in Belfast like the last three years. So like I was just very much like I've had this before. Like I'll be back when I'm back. This is the return to play stuff. And the girls in fairness were, I like they were a hundred percent in the management, but I just had to be very much like, this is what I have to do, you know, because it was the middle of championship. But yeah. uh, Yeah. So it's, it is hard. Like it is because you think, Sometimes you think, oh, it's grand. Like, as in, like, I could have just got a bang and you might not have any side effects, you know. But I knew that they, I should have came off. Um, and if I'm honest, I'd say now, if, yeah, like, so I don't know. It's 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 hard. It's hard when you're in the thick of it because sometimes you just think, oh, I'll be grand. Sure. But, yeah. That's why I asked the question because I know, like, I did the exact same thing too. Like, I took a shot to the face um didn't feel right went to take a kick out and kind of my balance was gone felt like I was falling over as kicking the ball yeah then another ball came in and I dropped it and I was like I was still trying to play on shake it off but I feel like the the, the important point is like you can't it, someone above the athlete should make the decision there if there's any doubt you know be it a coach or the physio obviously it comes down yeah. to resources and and who is, is at games but I feel like 
the, the less we get of that, the, the better we'll all be. Um, yeah. And that obviously, hopefully, this conversation that we've had around it just can help in terms of awareness if it's people trying to inform themselves and then always just earn on the side of caution with an individual. I mean, you said the words from a friend there that we all only have one brain, you know, um, and, yeah. and we've got and we've got to mind it. But thanks for all your, your honesty on that. I mean, it's a difficult thing and it sounds like it was very difficult and challenging part of your life too, Kate, you know. Moving on next, what I wanted to talk to you about was I know you have come through and experienced the the GPA's Madden Leadership Program. I suppose for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, hasn't heard of it before, could you tell us a little bit of what what the program is and why you signed up for it? Um, yeah, much more happier times. Um, no, so the the Jim Madden the Leadership Program. I guess I get why I applied for it. Like my brother and a few of the Donegal girls had done it and they absolutely were raving about it like they couldn't recommend it enough um and why I applied for it is it's probably at a point or stage in my sort of life career I guess that I needed to do something not that I needed I wanted to do something to invest in myself outside of sport like I think as I said, there is like for so long, like sport, like not like sport, because obviously my job is in sport, but like, like everything was like, I felt defined by playing football. Um, and a lot of that was my opinion on myself. That wasn't from other people. That was just me. Um, so I wanted to invest in myself. I, um, knew I was in like the area of what I wanted to work in but I wasn't fulfilling my potential or it wasn't like exactly what I wanted um I suppose to look at and I like I also wanted probably had lost a bit of confidence in myself not gonna lie and it's something that I was just like I really want to invest in myself I want to put myself out of my comfort zone and do something that is really worthwhile and make a difference. Like I probably want, I've been something I probably wanted to do, wanted to do, but like I probably needed a push to do it. And I felt that like it sounded like amazing and it was something that would really challenge me and open me up and meet people and just open my eyes to a whole different world, I guess. Um, so what it is, it's, it's a lead, it's a leadership, um, program offered by the GPA to all current and past uh GA hurling ladies football and camogie members. Um and it's a 12 month program and essentially like it's like it's a leadership program but like it works on all different facets of leadership, communication skills, um your areas of development, being a leader in the community uh and but I would say like also with that just really investing in yourself that's what I would say to people how it, it like puts you in uh really challenging and um like situations you get to heat uh here and listen to unbelievable leaders in business sports uh music um across like everything um you have um you have like a development day as well which essentially is like you have to do um 
four different sort of tasks that work on all different areas of your leadership skills. And um, from that, you get like a reflective but I don't know if I'm giving away the whole course here now. I don't know if Martin Kelly will be giving out to me. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then you 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 find your areas of weakness and your areas of strength, and you work with a development coach, and it really hones on in on them areas and how you want to progress. But it literally, it's kind of hard to like sum it all up because. It, some everything opens a different door to something else. Like I genuinely can't like your eyes just become opened so much. And I had the most amazing experience of it. Like we were, I suppose like most of ours was online. So it was, you know, remote, but got to meet the crew like once or twice. Um, I missed one, but like, it was just like, I genuinely couldn't speak highly enough of it. And like, it's something so fulfilling and rewarding and, just so much amazing people and experience over the last year. From listening to what you've described there, so it it doesn't sound like it's like a traditional learning learning format where you're just sitting there and kind of reading through notes and then you take it away and do an exam or or you do an assignment. It seems it sounds like I mean I I've I done the program in an earlier year, but what you're describing there is that sense of like an exper- experiential kind of um learning environment and a social learning environment. What did what did doing that kind of, the work in that way teach you about yourself? What was something kind of big that you took away that really had an impact on on who you are as a person? It was ama- like working with like-minded people. And it was just like, I remember the first day, like you were in a room, like we were in sort of breakout rooms in Zoom. And like, there was some big, pretty big names. Like, do you know, ones you've heard of like, and like everyone was there for different reasons, but also for the same reason um like they wanted to get better and like I suppose like touching to like life off the pitch also like you know a leader on the pitch but like more so like life off the pitch and like how could they invest in themselves and how to get better and like yeah like reflection was huge like um like I think the way that I sort of looked at it is like and one of the reasons, probably going back to your previous question, was like when you're playing Gaelic and you invest in nutrition and sports science and SNC and you get feedback from your coaches. But yet I know from a personal experience, like, did I do that from like a career or role point of view? Not like no, like um I sort of knew where I wanted to go, but didn't really know how to get there, if I'm honest. And like, that's, if you probably ask me, like, that's what I look at the Madden at being. Um, And like, also just, yeah, like, as you say there, like, there's so many, like, so everyone learns or gets different, like, learns differently or I suppose likes different areas. Like, we had speakers, we had to do like reflective pieces, um, yeah, like I said there, like you had the development day and you got like a 30 page booklet of how you reacted and like your strength and weaknesses, like verbally communicating your presentation skills. Like you literally got this Bible and was like, this is how this is your your areas of weaknesses, strengths. And then you worked with your development coach and like you could just tailor what you want, like your year to be or how 
like what you wanted from the mad and that's I suppose the special thing is like there's what 26 people in it and I'd say every single person if you asked them for like a review of it it was completely different um, and I think that's the really important part of it and I know we spoke before the we went on here and like I like you get a personal development coach and like I can't speak of my one highly enough like she was just absolutely amazing and like I easily just like yeah she was class it's just it's just such a good it's such an amazing opportunity for anyone and I would I would encourage everyone to do it because it just opens your eyes like completely if it wasn't for the Madden I wouldn't have taken the next step in my career do you know like a hundred percent and if it wasn't for my like and I said like for my personal development coach like I would have and we'll speak about it later I I would have seen that job and I'm not saying I wouldn't have applied for it but like would I have put in the same work would I have been as prepared and confident and like do you know confident in myself and my ability as like a practitioner to do you know what I'm I'm good enough to get this job um so like I can easily say I'm not on commission for the Jim Madden either, by the way, but like I can easily say that like, do you know what, what it's been, it's been massive for me um, and taking that next step. And it's something that I'm really, really excited for. You, you said you were doing something where you felt like you weren't fulfilling your potential. What was that? And then what did that lead you to? Like I worked with Stat Sports um, for the guts in nearly four years. It just finished up in just before before Christmas and again like unbelievable four years like probably didn't really know what I wanted to do I wanted to work in professional sports I wanted to work with elite athletes um but in what capacity I didn't really know um and like the last four years I just got my eyes open to unbelievable opportunities amazing company Irish company, one of the best in the world. Its story is unbelievable. For anyone who doesn't know, stats sports are is the wee GPS trackers that they wear in the sports bras. That all the like the clientele they have is Brazil. Um, they have like all of England, FA, Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool. You name it. Like it's unbelievable. The very elite level. The world. Yeah, and also like loads of GA teams as well. Um, like so that, like being thrown into that environment and applied for an internship there and had an amazing four years. Like genuinely got to meet so many amazing people within the company and also like gave me so many opportunities. Um, like I like I went in and was part of the backroom team of um the IRFU women for the Six Nations for two campaigns um and met like some great like coaches there like Ed Slattery took me under his wing and I I reached out to him because I I wanted to look for to get involved with teams and that and like had such an amazing time with them and then I was lucky enough to be a part of the FAI women's for the last two and a half years. Um it's actually like the my first my first camp with them, um, Stat Sports work with the women, uh, the FAI women and the 
the men and the under 21s national team. So what it would mean is like a sports scientist from Stat Sports would co- go into camp with them. And I remember like we won, we won Ulster. I can't remember what year it was, but we went down then and it was like around Robin. We had Tyrone and Mayo in our group and we got beat by Tyrone and we had to beat Mayo by five points and we got beat. Or we had to win. We did, yeah, beat Mayo by five points and we got beat. Uh, we got beat by about seven. It was such a disappointing year. Um, but then I was given the opportunity to go to the USA with the Ireland women's the football team and we played the USA, which are world champions in their victory tour in the Rose Bowl. So they had just won the World Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. So they had won the World Cup and what happens is they have a victory tour so they like some nation or countries go over and play them so it could be all over America we were lucky we got to go to the Rose Bowl in California so like literally the day after two days after we got beat probably it's probably the best thing for me because I was absolutely sick like that we had lost like I was devastated and I didn't really have time I sort of jumped on a plane and out to LA with like a squad and team that like I didn't know I'd heard of names obviously but like I was like right um and just had like oh it was unbelievable um I remember like we played them in the Rose Bowl uh in Pasadena and I was like I don't know what Cedars either there's 80 something thousand Cedar I remember like uh I remember like obviously they were there for them all the fans like there's celebrities on the like Kobe Bryant, like I remember clearly, like he walked past me with his daughters, like just on the sideline. Like it was just, and like seeing them play, like just the setup and the profile the USA had um, was unbelievable. And it probably was like, I want to work here. Like I want to work in the US. Do you know, um, someday, I was just like, someday I just sort of had, I remember standing on the pitch and was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um and yeah, like I had an unbelievable two and a half years with the Ireland team. Like I actually love, I loved being part of it. I loved the the, the players, the girls, like the staff got to meet. Like, uh, unbelievable! I was crying, leaving. Like I actually such an unbelievable group of players. Um, like genuinely such a family, and like I. Like I'll be the proudest person ever. Hopefully, when they qualify for their first major term tournament in the World Cup, and being in being involved with them, and probably being the other side of you know, like you're not a player. Like some of the guards were older than me or the same age, but like it's a different sort of fulfillment. As in, like you know, as a player, and you talk about like that team and getting across the line. But I knew working with them that like this is I wanted to do this full time. So like how it looked was like say in the international window, you'd go in with them and then like the other time you'd just be doing your other job, which I knew, like I'm a people's person. Like I want, I want to make a impact on people. I want to be working full time. And so I, I knew like that opened my eyes. Like I want to work here with this full time, um, in what capacity. And I sort of knew that like, there's probably nothing like that. Um, in Ireland like full time do you get me so I sort of knew that I was going to have to go maybe abroad at some stage but like I 
like when I like I love I love that team like their class like they have such an even when you see the progression levels and some of the names and yeah like had such amazing memories and it was it was tough saying goodbye to them because like you were there from the start like you were there for the whole uh try to qualify for the the Euros and it was absolutely devastating and then you're halfway through the World Cup cycle do you know and I guess you have to step away it was tough like um but they were all like they were all great like as in they knew that I wanted to do it full time and they gave me a nice send off like and as I said like I still be in touch with most of the staff there and um the players as well like so um yeah I'll be I'll be shouting them on from afar but yeah they're a great a great group and I suppose if I never was given that opportunity through Statsports to be involved with them, like I wouldn't have known probably, oh, this is what I want to do if you get me. So um, yeah, that, that was be, and then like my other, like, so the other role, what you do, like I was traveling all over the world. So like what it would be is like, say if a club bought your the Statsports system, you would go out and set them up and show them how to use it. So like I met unbelievable people like, got to spend a week with the Brazil national team women in Portugal before the World Cup, like got to go to China, Azerbaijan. I went to Michael Essie and I'm a massive Chelsea fan, grew up supporting Chelsea. Like my first day in this club in Azerbaijan in Baku, Michael Essie and signs with them through the door. And I'm like, like, you know, and like all over Scandinavia, Europe, you know, like, like it's unbelievable. And again, like there, it was very hard to say goodbye to them um, as well. Cause when you're in the place nearly four years, you know, um, and you've seen the company grow. So yeah, that's, that's the, I suppose what my role was. There's obviously like a lot of excitement with that in terms of traveling around, huge learning, meeting different people, seeing different environments, but ultimately it sounds like you had a craving or a desire to kind of be embedded in with a group more and to have that connection and to really that kind of sense of team, tribe, belonging. Is that something that's, I suppose, driven you to where you are? And then if you want to talk about kind of your next step in terms of working with the US international soccer setup. Yeah, so like one with stats sports, like you had to be very good at being by yourself because a lot of the time when you were traveling, like like you were by yourself essentially until you went into the team. Um, so you needed to be very good with your own company and you could be away for like 10 days by yourself. You could be on a road trip or whatever, but um, yeah, like definitely like it was like that team environment. I just loved the buzz of it. Like I loved going into ca- like camp. It was like, well, that's what I call it, like international camp and you'd go away for 10 days or 14 days and it was just a bubble like you literally once you went in there everyone used to just be like oh here there's no point contacting you when you're in there because you'd be waiting a month for a response it's just I love the buzz of it and like it was just it's just to being around people and I think I think that's what another thing COVID probably sort of taught me was like everything was becoming more remote and I really struggled with that like I, I think it sort of gave me indicated more that like I just need. I love being around people. I love that environment. I love like just the buzz and the adrenaline of it, and the like. It's fast pace, and 
just everything about it, like working with different people, like you're working with the doc, the medic, the ta- uh, technical staff, the players, like you're ch- like you're just interacting all the time with everyone. And I love like I love that. And yeah, I just love the buzz of it. And then I played for um, a job at US soccer for the women's youth team sports scientist uh, last year and was successful. So you must be buzzing there, yeah. Ah, oh, Jesus. Like, I'm counting down the days here. Uh, I've known for a while, which is hard. And obviously with visa and COVID and embassy appointments and uh, all applications and stuff, like I feel like it was yesterday I was told, but I also like it can't come quick enough in a way as well. And it's nice as well, the start of a new year to get stuck into it. And I'm, I'm so excited for like the opportunity the opportunities and like just what the next like what the next six months year is going to look like I just I can't wait like I yeah like I'm just I've nearly my bags packed there um so yeah really excited don't know anyone I know one person in Chicago so anyone listening that <laughs> is out there <laughs> you need a friend but yeah no I'm really excited don't think they'll understand me but sure look that's half the battle my last question for you, Kate, is in terms of that role and, and what you're going to do, I clearly I can, the excitement is, is oozing off you there. Just kind of on a day-to-day level, what do you, uh, and I know when we're, we're having this conversation now and you haven't started yet, but on a day-to-day level, what, what does that look like for anyone that's maybe listening that doesn't, is not fully sure of sports science and that kind of background? What's your day-to-day role going to be and what you think it's going to look like? Yeah, so like it will just, it'll depend on... So like I'm over essentially like the under the youth team. So like under 23, under 20, under 17, under 15. Um, but with under 17 and 20, they're both World Cup years. So like they'd be given probably, well, from what I can gather, like the biggest priority because they're com- obviously have them coming up this year. Um, so like when you're in national team camp, you would be in charge of all the like your job the daily the daily monitoring daily wellness you talk about like their strength and conditioning the nutrition um the periodization of the week what that looks like you have to liaise with the technical staff and see what way they want to play and how you can embed um and structure the week and what that looks like um you'll be reaching out to like um the clubs before they get in so like you need to see what the players load are coming into camp and how we can basically get like have the player availability and freshness and to reduce injury and performance like from a coach's point of view they want everyone available for like all the games and a lot of the time with the youth you might go into like a three-week camp or two-week camp or a 10-day camp say and you could have three games in the space of 10 days and you have to manage players loads squad rotations everything like that so it's basically you're involved with like the screening test and wellness monitoring gps heart rate data um and, and essentially maximizing the the performance levels of the girls when they're in camp and just making from a from a team point of view as many players as possible available. Um, that's it. Put simply, um, I'm really interested to see um, 
what the environment looks like. Like my first camp, I'm actually go- going in with the first team for the She Believes tournament. So I'm heading straight to LA um, and I'm just going to be like, like I'm going to be in with the first team and obviously my uh, boss and the head of performance for the women's side like I've, I've a huge opportunity to go in and like l- like see what that's like firsthand you know so like I'm like I'm absolutely ex- buzzing for that like I, I was saying to you earlier it's you say the stars line or things have come full circle you know standing there in Pasadena with the Irish women's team playing the USA and couple of years on you're telling me that my first camp is going to be with the U going into the USA women working with them in California it's a bit I have to pinch myself a wee bit but I'm just I'm excited to learn and as a sports scientist and learn from the people around you like within the federation across the men the men's teams the women's teams the youths like the interaction with clubs the players and what I mentioned to you there like being around like that buzz in the environment making a difference like making friendships and see like trying to have it trying to have like trying to see like it's it's different because you get different buzzes off different things like you could be working with like an athlete who has had an injury or got an injury early on in the camp and like they they don't think they're going to make the this game and like in an international window because it's so like scattered out like if you it's in a short period like it's 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 a hugely tough like if you get an injury say earlier on the camp or because you could be just sent home and like playing for your country um it's such like uh, like I never did but do you know it's such it's the pinnacle like you just you want to play for your country and then if you come in so like little things that when players say get injured and they actually then go on and play the game or, you know, seeing like seeing people like, I don't know, like succeed with goals or it can be different for everyone. But like the the people and the culture and all that there is what I get my buzz off is just learning off people. Like I think the big thing is just how much I'm going to learn out there and the experiences. I can't wait. mentioned earlier in the podcast that we would share some information regarding concussion so i wanted to highlight that the gpa have teamed up with upmc the official healthcare partner of the gpa and gea to introduce a concussion baseline testing and treatment pilot program the initiative began last june with counties across football hurling and camogie and will run until the end of the 2022 championships this gives intercounty players access to UPMC's National Concussion Network and more specialised treatment for a gradual return to play. I've included the link to this partnership in the show description. Two things I wanted to add on concussion for all our listeners is that one, it is important to know that an athlete does not have to lose consciousness to be concussed and two, most athletes suspected of concussion will want to play on, especially if it's an important game. It is vital that the decision to continue to play is not left up to the athlete. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Players Voice podcast, brought to you by the Gaelic Players Association in collaboration with Real Talks. To get all future episodes, make sure to subscribe by searching the Players Voice on whichever podcast platform you prefer. And don't forget, you can find out more about the GPA's Bio360 program at www.bio.com. Yo360.
www.gaelicplayers.com. My name is Alan O'Mara, and I'm so proud to be part of these honest and insightful conversations. To find out more about my work as a performance and wellbeing consultant, please go to www.realtalks.ie or find me on Twitter and Instagram at AOMTheCat. Thanks for listening.